Our sermon text this morning is Psalm 68, which is printed in your order of worship uh, towards the back. The pages of the scriptures are full of the songs that the righteous sing in response to the victory of God. Indeed, that's just what we do each Lord's Day. We've sung, I think, four different times already this morning. When we sing hymns of praise to God, this is what we are doing. We are joyfully responding to God's victory in Jesus Christ and entering into that victory through Him and with Him. By singing in this way as we do each Lord's Day, we are practicing and embracing one of the most basic and fundamental activities of the people of God throughout the ages. This is what God's people have always done. They have sung praise to the Lord in response to the glory of His victory. Think of the people of Israel singing at the shores of the Red Sea in Exodus 15 after the defeat of the armies of Pharaoh. Think of the song of Deborah and Barak in Judges 5 after the miraculous defeat of the Canaanites and Jael's execution of the wicked Sisera. Think of the song of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2 after she gave up her son Samuel to the service of the Lord. Think of David's song in 1 Chronicles 16, the one that he taught the Levites to sing continually before the tabernacle after he established the ark of God in Zion. Think of the songs of Zechariah and Mary in Luke chapter 1, after they each received angelic visitations and were told that they would be participants in the great story of the birth of the incarnate Son of God. Think of the songs of the redeemed in Revelation 4 and 5 and 7 and 11 and 15 and 19 as the saints again and again and again sing of the glorious victory of their God. The songs in Revelation are the most striking thing about that book. All throughout John's revelation that he receives, the saints cannot stop singing of the glory and victory of their God. This psalm, Psalm 68, is like unto those songs. It also is a song in response to the victory of God. And so as you hear this psalm this morning, as you listen to its words, know that you hear and listen to the words that the Spirit has given to proclaim the triumph of God. Beloved, this is God's holy and inerrant word. It is more precious than gold, even much fine gold. And it is sweeter than honey, sweeter even than the drippings of the honeycomb. Listen to it now. Psalm 68. To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. 
as wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. His name is Yahweh. Exult before Him, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil, though you men lie among the sheepfolds. The wings of a dove covered with silver, its pennons with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode. Yes, where Yahweh will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that Yahweh God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord, who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death but God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. 
The singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation, Yahweh, O you who are of Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them, in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength. Blessed be God. Thus far, the reading of God's word, it is absolutely true, and it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us now by your Spirit to hear this portion of your Word and to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it, that we may even more embrace and hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. There is much in our world that we might be discouraged about. No doubt that's true. On a large scale, there's the oppression of the poor and helpless around the world. Certainly in our own nation as well. There are tyrants, there are men of violence who use their power to steal and abuse and kill. There is the decline and weakening of the church in Europe. And in the United States, although we should note that the church grows in Africa, in South America, in Middle East, in Asia. There are the billions of people in our world, billions of people, think of that, who are enslaved by false religion, especially in terms of numbers, the false religions of Islam and Hinduism. And we experience reasons for discouragement in our own lives as well, right? Difficulties and tensions and brokenness in our relationships with friends and family members, financial hardship, the pain and suffering that we actually carry in our very bodies as they betray us, unfulfilled desires that we have for a spouse 
or for children. And of course, the deaths of those whom we love. I've only begun in these minutes to scratch the surface in terms of all the things that are wrong in our world. Our world is broken. It is beyond our capacity to repair it. Our world is full of the forces of evil that are too strong for us to defeat. But in the midst of all these terrible things that we feel and experience and see, the Word of God, friend, comes to you this morning from the outside. From outside of you, God speaks and He declares and says, God shall arise and His enemies shall be scattered. God shall arise and His enemies shall be scattered. Beloved, this is the gospel. This is the glad announcement of the presence of God. We are not alone in this world. It is not actually our responsibility to repair what is broken or defeat what is evil, because God shall arise and His enemies shall be scattered. In Numbers chapter 10, we find the original inspiration for these words in our psalm this morning. You see, the story of Numbers takes place after the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Israel has just received the law at Mount Sinai, and God has made His covenant with them there. And in obedience to His word, they have built the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. And having done so, they now begin their journey toward the promised land, the land of milk and honey and olives and rain and good harvest that God had prepared for them. But there are many enemies between here and there. And so as they went, as they traveled to the promised land, the Levites carried before them the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. And Numbers 10 tells us the prayer that Moses prayed every morning. Whenever the ark set out, Numbers 10 said, says, Moses said, Arise, O Yahweh, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, that is, in the evening, when they stopped, Moses said, Return, O Yahweh, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. This is how, how Israel traveled from her place of slavery to the promised land with the Ark of the Covenant going before them, with Moses praying, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. It is clearly in response to the words of Moses that the psalmist declares what he does in Psalm 68. Moses says, God, arise. It's a petition the psalmist says, God shall arise, and his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. The psalmist speaks of some great future event of God's intervention and history, that Moses' prayer will be answered in its fullness. God shall arise, David says. His enemies shall be scattered. And surely the promise and prophecy of the psalmist in Psalm 68 finds its fulfillment most fully and particularly in 
the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it was on that in his death, rather, on the cross, that Jesus was confronted with all the forces of evil, all the brokenness of our world. And it was in his resurrection, three days later, that God literally arose and scattered his enemies. God shall arise, the psalmist says, and his enemies shall be scattered. In the fourth century, Augustine preached in North Africa on Psalm 68, and he declared about these words. He said about the words, God shall arise and his enemies shall be scattered. He says to his hearers, this has already happened. Right, what the psalmist prophesied, Augustine says, has taken place. Christ has arisen. He who is God, blessed above all forever, and his enemies have been scattered abroad among the nations. And of course, the Apostle Paul taught in Ephesians 4 that Psalm 68 was about Jesus, that it was a prophecy of the Christ's resurrection and ascension. He quotes directly from this psalm, and then he says, in saying he ascended, which is what Psalm 68 says, what does it mean, Paul says, but that he also, he, that is Christ, also descended into the lower regions, the earth. Paul says he, that is Jesus, who descended, is the one who ascended also, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Make no mistake, beloved, this psalm is about the glad announcement that in the face of all that is wrong in our world, God is victorious in the resurrection and ascension of his Son. And he is inviting his people to share in that victory, to delight in it, to exult in it. Yes, there is so much in our world that is broken. Yes, there are so many things in your life where evil seems to have the upper hand. But this psalm comes to you from outside of yourself and it gives you the joyful announcement that God is above all things victorious. Listen again to the first three verses of Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. One way to describe Psalm 68 might be to call it the battle hymn of the resurrection. You see, in the psalm, God is the great warrior who rises up and defeats his enemies, who saves his people, and then leads them into his kingdom in festal celebration as he ascends to his throne. Sing to God, the psalmist declares in verse 4. Sing praises to his name. But why do the people of God respond with such joy at the revelation of his might and his power? It is not only because God is mighty and powerful, it is because he, what, he, what he does with that power. As Psalm 68 proclaims, God in his power 
is a father to the fatherless. He is a protector of widows. He is the one who gives the lonely a safe place to dwell. He is the one who leads those who have been made prisoners of sin and evil into a place of prosperity and blessing. You see, the God that is revealed in Psalm 68 is generous. His victory is not His alone. It is one that He shares with abundance with His people. And at the heart of the victory of God in this psalm is His victory over death. As we read in verses 19 and 20, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up, or as the early Latin translation of the Scriptures put it, who carries us every day. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up, who carries us each day. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that our last and greatest enemy is death. And I think intuitively we know that this is true. All of us, from the youngest to the oldest, we are in the process of dying. And there's not a thing we can do about it. To die is to be forgotten. To die is to lose the joys of embodied life. To die is to be conquered by something we cannot defeat. So what do we do with that reality? How do we reckon with the apparently unbreakable power of death? One option, of course, is simply to accept that power, the reality of death, to, to make the best of our mortality, to carpe diem, you know what I mean? Right? Seize the day and make the most of the limited number of days available to us, to write that bucket list and check it off. This week, I read an article in a national publication, secular publication, that was entitled, What to Read and to Come to Terms with Death. I thought, that's interesting. The article highlighted seven recent books that have been written on death from a secular perspective. And it stated, the article stated, inevitably, each one of us will die, and so will the people we love. These seven titles may help us accept our limitations and live full lives. Accepting your fate is the closest a person can ever come to triumph in the unwinnable war against death. I don't know what to do with that, really. The closest we can come to triumph in the unwinnable war against death is to accept our fate? Beloved, I want to be clear about this. This is not the Christian teaching about death. We are not people who come to terms with death. We are not people who accept this fate. We are not people who simply accept our limitations and try to live as quote-unquote full lives as we can in what years we have. I mean, that kind of thinking might have some kind of limited help for highly educated and wealthy people who have some measure of leisure in their lives available to them, presumably like the writer of this article. But can you imagine telling that to a slave, right? To a poverty-stricken refugee fleeing their homeland, knowing they will never return, telling them, well, yes, you're going to die, but you just need to accept that limitation and live as full a life as you can. 
No, beloved. We don't come to terms with death. Not Christian people. We don't accept this fate. If death were an unwinnable war, why would the women in verse 11 of our psalm today announce the news of victory? Why would they divide spoil between them? Why would God's people join with him in the procession in verses 24 to 27 with singers and musicians and virgins playing tambourines? No, the gospel of Jesus Christ, beloved, is the glad announcement that our God is a God of salvation. And I don't just mean getting on the heaven bus. I mean, our God is the salvation, and by that I mean to our God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. Not bargains with death, not acceptance of death. No, to God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death, triumph over death. This psalm teaches us that our God will strike the heads of his enemies, that he will crush the serpent's head, that he will bring back the dead who die in him from wherever they have fallen, even from Bashan, even from the depths of the sea, and the dead will rise to share in his victory. They will join in his triumphal procession. At the very end of Psalm 68, the psalmist reflects on the victory of God, a final time. A victory, he says, that is not God's alone, but is shared with his people. He writes in verses 32 to 35, he says, O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord. To him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens, behold, this is God. He sends out his voice, his mighty voice. The God who has arisen sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, says the psalmist, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary from the place where he is ascended. The God of Israel, the psalmist says, he is the one who does not keep power for himself. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Isn't it interesting, the psalm, the psalm that begins with an announcement of the resurrection of Christ ends with a reflection of, on the voice of God, his mighty voice that speaks, and by that speaking gives power and strength to his people. For this is just what our Lord Jesus has taught us, that on the last day, he who is risen from the dead will share his resurrection power with his saints, and how will he do it? With the power of his voice calling them from the grave. Augustine, preaching the good news of Jesus 1,600 years ago, reflected on this verse. He ended his sermon on Psalm 68 with these words. He said to those people gathered before him in North Africa almost two millennia ago, whose lives were not very different from ours in most ways that matter. He said to them, 
The people of God are fragile and weak now. But in the resurrection, God will give strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. By, our, by a supremely glorious transfiguration of our bodies, Augustine said. God will give strength and power to his people. For although this body of ours is sown in weakness, it will rise in strength. For on that day, Augustine says, our Lord Jesus will give us that strength which he has displayed in his own flesh. The strength that the Apostle Paul longed to know. The power of the resurrection. That same power by which death, the last enemy, will be destroyed. Beloved, whatever is overwhelming and fearsome and terrible in your life, hear what God says. Hear the word of God for you today. God shall arise and his enemies shall be scattered. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. May it bear fruit in our lives. May you give us the hope of the glad tiding of the victory that you have won in the death and resurrection and future coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.